seated. I pray that you all come ready to receive. I pray that you come hungry. And I pray that God will fill up your spirit, man, tonight. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Father, opening up our hearts, our minds, and let the words be clear. Let there be clarity, Father God, about what you want to say to us. Lord, remove every distraction and obstacle right now, Father God, that would prevent us from receiving the truth that you have for us. And Lord, we give you honor and praise and glory tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for having your way as you speak and minister through me and into the hearts of their, your people tonight. And Lord, we thank you tonight in Jesus' name for your word. And all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. Some of you who are parents here tonight and those who are watching by live stream, um, especially if you have more than one children at home, you can probably relate to this scenario that I'm about to share with you. And the scenario goes like this. Little Jimmy comes crying into the room. And as a parent, you wonder, oh my goodness, what's wrong? Did, did he fall and hurt himself? And so you're trying to calm little Jimmy down. And finally, he calmed him down and said, little Jimmy, what, what, what's wrong? Why are you crying? Did you fall and hurt yourself? And then little Jimmy says, no. Susie hit me and he's being mean to me. How many parents can testify to that? And so as a parent, you calm little Jimmy down. You reassure him that everything's going to be okay. And that uh, you're going to speak with little Susie. So you find little Susie in her room and you ask little Susie, Susie, why did you hit your brother? Why are you being so mean to him? And then little Susie starts to cry. And then she says, because he's being mean to me. He took one of my toys and broke it. And that's why I hit him. Now, in this scenario, what we quickly learn is this. That little Jimmy's story is not the end of the story. But there's another side to the story. Another side that Jimmy conveniently sort of left out. Oftentimes, many parents would make the mistake of reacting to or making decisions based on one side of the story. And only to find out that there's another side. Are you hearing me this evening? Well, life also has two sides. The problem is that there are many folks who've concluded on life based on one side. And just like there's another side to every story, there's also another side to every struggles. There's another side to every disappointment. There's another side to every discouragement. There's another side to every frustration. There's another side to every failure that we face in life. And what we're going to learn here tonight is that we should never conclude on one side when there's another side. The problem is that too many folks have stayed too long on one side when there's another side. And so I believe that God wants to change your story tonight by revealing to you that there is another side. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him there's another side. Now, I want to look in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35 through 41, and we're going to, this will be our text for the evening, and I'm going to pretty much be camped on this particular text. 
And uh, we're going to go line upon line and precept upon precept as we look at each verse because I believe that each verse will be a blessing to you. I believe that each verse is going to encourage you and build up your faith. So let's begin in verse 35 and understand that before I read this, Jesus has spent two long days ministering to people. He, he, He spent... Two long days debating with scribes and Pharisees. He spent uh, two long days of healing the sick and casting out devils. He spent two long days of, of ministering and teaching the gospel to a great multitude of people. And it was so hectic that they couldn't even get a chance to sit down and eat. Because every time they sat down and eat, it was a large multitude of people that would try to mob him and and surround him trying to reach and grab a hold of him hoping that they can receive some sort of healing these are consumers these are not people that love jesus these are not people that believe in jesus these are people that want what jesus had and so as, as a matter of fact they got so bad that jesus said to his disciples let's get a boat ready in case this mob gets crazy because he was afraid that they were going to mob him so much to the point where they're going to crush him So that was the kind of day he was having. And so he had to preach from a boat, cast away several feet from the shore to be able to preach to the people in a safe manner. And so we pick up in verse 35, and it says that on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so faith fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now let's look at verse 35. Let's begin there. He says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now what I want you to notice here that the statement that Jesus made about crossing over to the other side was not a suggestion but a command. He wasn't saying, listen guys, do you want to go to the other side? Let me know. No, he said, let us cross over to the other side. According to Matthew's gospel, according to his account in the same event, in Matthew 8 and verse 18, it says that Jesus gave a command to depart to the other side. So we know that it was a command. Now, I'm sure that you can all agree with me when I say this, that everything that Jesus did throughout his ministry, it was always uh, with purpose and meaning. Jesus never wasted time or energy doing anything, but everything that he did throughout his ministry was always to bring glory and honor to God. So, Everything he did was with meaning and purpose. So when Jesus said the words, let us cross over to the other side, we can all assume that Jesus said that because there was some importance and some great significance that was on the other side. Because Jesus never minced words and never wasted energy and never wasted time. Everything he did had purpose. So he was... 
He was told to, to cross over to the other side because he never wasted any time because we knew there was a purpose. But let me suggest something to you tonight. That Jesus is doing more than just commanding us to cross over to the other side. No, it was part of his plan for, be, for us to be on the other side. It's all part of his plan. There is something on the other side that Jesus knows about and he's trying to get us there. And I want you to be encouraged by that. Because it's part of his plan to get us over to the other side. And I want you to remember those words constantly over and over again. Because understand this. Where you presently are today is not where God wants you to be ultimately. All right, let me say that again. Where you are presently is not where God wants you to be ultimately. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, let us cross over to the other side. Uh, man, you've got to do better than that. Tell them, tell them like you really mean it. Let us cross over to the other side. Those of you watching by live stream, tell whoever you're sitting next to, tell them, cross over to the other side. Okay, we can't hear you, but that's all right. And so going back to verse 35. So on the same day, he says, when evening had come, he had said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Something else that I want you to notice here. That throughout our lives, we need to keep in mind that Jesus had made a promise to us. And that promise that he made was to be continuously being with us. In other words, he promised a continued divine presence in our lives. And that's, that's something to, have to, to really get excited about. Because that means that, that everywhere we go, everything that we do, Jesus is with us. You know, we talk about that. And we take it uh, uh, sort of for granted that, that uh, about the meaning of what it means for him to be with us. But you know what? I, I talk, you know, when I'm with my wife, I know she's with me. because She's by my side. She's real. I can touch her. I mean, I know she's there. She, she does something to me when she's in my presence or when I'm in her presence. But we tend to forget that because we don't see Jesus. We can't touch Jesus. But yet the Bible says that he is with us. And so we need to acknowledge that fact that he is with us. There's something meaningful and significant knowing that he is in our presence. And that he's present with us all the time. In Matthew 28 and verse 20, Jesus says to his disciples, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. The Amplified Version says it like this. And I am with you all the days perpetually, that is constantly, continuously, and on every occasion to the very close and consummation of the age. Amen. Basically, we're saying this, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I'm going to be with you all the way through your life, even to the end of your life. So if you notice in Matthew 4, I mean Mark 4 and verse 35, Jesus did not say to his disciples, you go to the other side and I'll meet you there. No, he said, let us Go over to the other side. In other words, Jesus included himself on this journey. So when he tells us to let us go over to the other side, he's inviting us to join him in this journey. Understand this, that the Lord Jesus, when he said to cross over to the other side, he does not want us to be lone rangers and try to cross over on our, on our own. No, he wants us to be with us because he knows what's ahead. He sees the storm coming and he knows that if we cross over the other side by ourselves, he knows that we're going to mess things up. 
because we need his presence to help us to overcome whatever challenges will come our way. How many of you can remember the life that you've lived, the journey that you travel without Jesus? How many of you would say it was a disaster? Yes. So we don't want to, some of us don't even remember those, uh, those journeys in our lives. But that's, that's the reason why he wants to be with us and join us and, and, and travel with us. He's, he's not calling us to travel by ourselves. He's calling us to travel with him. And that's a wonderful thing. And here's the thing. Because he does not want us to travel alone, because he knows that there are challenges that are, that are ahead that we cannot handle. Jesus himself said it in, in uh, John 15 in verse 5. He said that without me, you can do nothing. Now, that's not an insult. That's not a slight. That's just basically truth. We cannot do anything without him. And even if we try, we always fall short. Jesus is in the same boat as we are. The life that we have is not a journey that we are to travel by ourselves. The Lord knows that the journey ahead is going to be rough sometimes. And understand this, that we need his presence to be able to, to encounter the storms that will come our way. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm, I'm tempted to just get ahead, but I don't want to jump ahead. So let me just slow it down. So the journey that we're traveling in, he promised to be with us. And here's the more important thing. It's something that's really encouraging because he also promised to be with us. Not only is he with us, but the Bible says that Jesus was given all power and authority, both in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Now think about this. The fact that he wants to be present in our lives He's not only present in our lives, but also his pre the presence of his power and authority is also with us. So think about that. So whenever Jesus expresses his power and authority that was given to him, guess how he expresses the, that power? He expresses it through us and in us. I mean, that is awesome. But there's something about the presence of Jesus that gives us the assurance, letting us know that we are equal to the task to overcome any challenges that, that may come our way. But we need him to be with us. Because all power and authority is with the Lord Jesus. And, and that power and authority is present within us. Man, that is so awesome. So with his presence also comes the presence of his power and authority. You can also say that his presence is like going on a long trip. And bringing a suitcase along, carrying everything that you need for the journey. And that is the presence of God. His presence will provide us with everything that we need for the journey that, that is ahead for us. I like what Psalm 46 and verse 1 says. It says that God is our refuge and our strength and a present help in time of need. That is so awesome. He not only promises his presence, but he promises a mighty presence in our lives. So when you think about Jesus being with you, think about his power and authority and his might in us and with us. Man, that's, uh, when, you, when you meditate on that and think about that, man, that just, that just builds up your faith. He says, let us go together, not go by ourselves. Now, let's look at verse 36. 
It says, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. Now notice here that before the disciples and Jesus cross over to the other side, they had to leave behind the multitudes. I'll say that again. They had to leave behind the multitudes. In order to cross over to the other side, you've got to leave behind something. Let me ask yourself this very honest question. What must I leave behind before I cross over? There's some things that we need to leave behind. As I mentioned to you early, some of the mistakes that people make is staying too long on one side. They stay too long on their discouragement. They stay too long on the side of their disappointment. They stay too long on the side of their depression. They stay too long on the side of their failures and their frustrations and their aggravation. What they've done is they, they, they concluded on life based on one side and never experienced it the other side. But to get to the other side, you must be willing to leave behind your problems your disappointments, your frustrations, your aggravations, your depressions, and any in all of your failures, you've got to leave those behind because where you presently are, God does not want you to be there ultimately. Look at verse 37. And then a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. So now Here's the disciples, they get on a boat, they're full of joy and their happiness, they, they're on their way, they're going to the other side, they're new adventures and new excitement. Pregnant women will understand this. In the, in the beginning of their pregnancies, they're full of joy and their happiness, and, and they're just looking forward to having a baby. But at some moment of their pregnancy, they become tired of the swelling. They become tired of the backaches. They get tired of the emotional highs and lows. They get tired of their, their taste buds messing, messing with them. They get tired of the discomfort. And all they want to do is get across the other side to their delivery and father, finally into motherhood. But in the beginning, they start out with joy. But then comes a moment where they, don't, they just want to get the other side of their pregnancy. Are you hearing me? There's a great windstorm that arose and the waves beat into the boat. So suddenly the disciples were no longer happy or excited because now they're faced with a great storm. That word great in the Greek is the word mega. So where we get the word mega millions or mega bucks. You know, this was a mega windstorm. And, and, and it was so strong that caused the waves to beat and crash against the boat. And the boat was filling with the water. And you know what happens when the water, when a boat that small is filled with water. The weight of that water causes the boat to sink. And of course, along with the crew. So you can understand why the disciples became afraid. So Jesus commanded his disciples to go on a trip. But understand this. That the trip that he invited them was not a trip of their own choosing. We don't get to choose where God wants us to go. We just simply trust and obey. And then we go. 
But when Jesus says the word, let us cross over to the other other side, he's already determined the destination. He's already set the course and told them where they were going. But what's interesting is that Jesus never told them what they were about to face and what they had to go through to get to the other side. I think that, I, I believe that if Jesus had told them what they were about to face, they would not have gone. And they would have stayed behind with the multitudes rather than going on the trip with, with Jesus. You wonder why Jesus doesn't tell us what's ahead? Because maybe we're too afraid to go forward if we knew what was ahead of us. But he won't tell you what's ahead. He just simply says, let us go to the other side. And don't worry about what we face. So one of the first lessons that we learn here is that we will always encounter storms. There will always be storms of life. We are not going to go through life without running into some storm. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not trying to speak storm into your life. I'm not trying to prophesy storm into your life. I'm just simply saying that storm is a part of life because we live in an imperfect world surrounded by imperfect people. Now, of course, not every storm is a result of sin. And, of course, we know that if if we're living in sin, you know, all that does is open the door for all kinds of problems. And so this is when we have to pray and ask God to to examine our hearts and and find out if we've left the door open for this storm that we've allowed to come into our lives. But oftentimes storms come simply because we live in an imperfect world. So storms will come. They are inevitable. But here's the thing. Even with the presence of Jesus, even with all his power and authority, we're still going to go through storms. That's why the scripture says, the scripture that I mentioned to you in Psalm 46 in verse 1, where the scripture says, the Lord is my strength and my refuge. Why would we need God to be our strength and refuge if there's not going to be a storm? Then it goes on to say that he is a present help in trouble. Why would we need him to be a present help in trouble if there's not going to be any storms? Storms are inevitable. Inevitable. They will be coming. And here's the thing, that when we find ourselves in storms, that's when we forget who is with us. That's when we forget that the one who has all power and authority is with us. You know, it's very easy when we find ourselves struggling that we forget the Lord Jesus. We find ourselves questioning where he is. How many of you have said this prayer? Lord, where are you? Why have you left me? Why are you letting me struggle and suffer? We question his presence. We question his character. We, we question his abilities. We even question the integrity of his word. Sometimes there are situations that we find ourselves that make, us, that make it seem as though the Lord is not concerned about us and not concerned about what we're going through and that he's left us to ourselves dealing with the struggles and problems for ourselves. And that's when we become afraid. That's when we become anxious. And that's when we become uh, worried. There's this very popular Sunday school uh, song sung by children. And it's entitled, With Christ in the Vessel, We Can Smile at the Storm. Have you ever heard that song before? It's a, with Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. Why? Because Jesus in that storm is in the same boat as we are. In other words, he's facing the same situation as you and I. So that's why we can smile. Now, 
How many of you have ever smiled when you found yourself in a storm? Were you smiling or were you frowning? It's very hard and very challenging to smile, but when we understand what it means to have the presence of the Lord Jesus in our lives, then it becomes that much easier to smile because we know that he's also facing the same situation as we are. In other words, we're not going through the storm by ourselves. In Christ, with Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. <clears throat> there was um, this little boy who happened to be in the plane, who had been, and the plane was going through this violent turbulence. And if you've ever been in a plane going through some turbulence, that can be a pretty scary situation. A amen? And so this plane was, was dipping and shaking and rattling and going up and down and all over the place. And there was this lady who was sitting there next to the little boy, and she was terrified. She had both hands on the armrest holding tightly, and she was just bracing herself, and, and she was scared. However, the little boy was just playing and having fun as though nothing was happening. And so the lady was noticing this. Finally, after watching him for a while, she just couldn't stand it anymore. And she, so she said, boy, will you stop it? Stop having so much fun. How can you have fun when the plane is going through this? And the little boy just places his hand on the, on the woman's hand and says, Lady, my daddy's a pilot. And you know, when your daddy is the pilot, you can handle any turbulence that come your way. Because you know that he's got it under, under control. And here's the thing, because he is the pilot, he's also experiencing the same turbulence as you are. Because he's right there with you. And he's handling that storm. He's got it under control. Amen. So knowing that you have this confidence that you'll get to the other side of the turbulence. And get to your destination. Hallelujah. Now look at verse 38. It says, but he, he, was, in, uh, he was in a stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher. Do you not care that we are perishing? In every situation, there are two reports. There's man's report, and then there's God's report. Because the boat was taken on water, according to verse 37, and filling the boat with, uh, with water and, and placing them in danger, the disciples believed that they were going to die. Their assessment of the situation was that they were perishing. That was their report. We are perishing. That was their final assessment. But how many of you know that with God, nothing is final? I like what the, the Apostle Paul uh, wrote in Romans chapter uh, 10 and verse 16, where he quoted the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? Obviously, the disciples did not believe in the report of the Lord, which was, let us cross over to the other side. They concluded their lives based on one side of the story. But Jesus said to them, there was already another side. Because they said, let's cross over there. We never conclude on life based on one side when there is another side to look forward to. 
The disciples, however, did not believe that there was another side. What they believed that what they were in right now, this was it, that's final, we're done. That was the report that they believed. So instead, because they believed in their circumstances, they couldn't see beyond their circumstance. They couldn't see beyond the storm because they believed in the report that they were going to die. And so they cried out to Jesus in exasperation saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Don't you care about what we're going through? Don't you care about me? Don't you care that I'm suffering? Don't you care that I'm hurting? Sounds like some of our prayers, right? You know, it's sad that many times God's word only becomes important when we find ourselves in a life and death situation. We always seem to think that God's word is important when we're in our final, you know, we're in our uh, in desperation mode. When we're about to lose our home, when we're about to lose our, 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 our family, when we're about to lose our job. That's when the word becomes important to us. Storms will come to everyone. No one's except, no one's except from the storm. But the only question is, how will we face the storm? See, everything depends on our attitude towards his word. And the words of the Lord is, let us cross over to the other side. Say that with me. Let us cross over to the other side. See, I believe the lesson that Jesus would have us learn is that the word works. And you have to believe in the word. Understand this, that if the, if the disciples had believed in the words of Jesus to cross over to the, to the other side, so that when the storm came, rather than lifting their hands in fear and, and, and panic, they would have simply lifted up their hands and voices, and they would say, praise God, we're going over, come hell or high water, we are going over. I believe there are some of you here tonight, and those of you who are watching by live stream, you might be going through a storm in a circumstances that is difficult. But I want to share with you tonight that there is another side to your circumstances. And I want to, what I want you to do tonight, and those that are watching, I want you to lift up your hands right now, wherever you, wherever you are, wherever you're sitting, raise up your hands right now. And you're going to make this declaration. You're going to say, praise God. We're going over. Come hell or high water, we're going over. Let's say that again, but with some conviction, like you really mean it. Say, praise God, we're going over. Come hell or high water, we're going over. Hallelujah. And if you believe that, believe that you will get to the other side. Because understand that to believe in the report of the Lord is to live beyond the control and influence or influence of the circumstances. You see, believing in doing the word does not ignore the circumstances. What it does, it just looks beyond them to something greater. You know, uh, you, you know there is something greater on the other side. You know, when I, I think about Joseph, his whole youth was robbed from him and taken from him from his, because of his brothers. Because of their jealousy and envy. And they sold him into slavery. And his whole young life was taken and robbed from him. And he lived that life as a slave and then as, a, as an inmate. And I often wonder. Did he hold on to the, to the dream that God had given him when he was a young boy? Or did he give up on the dream? 
And then I asked myself, did, it, was he still holding out for hope that God will somehow intervene and change his life? Or did he fall into despair and realize that this is life, this is, this is it. This is how it's going to be for the rest of my life. That's from his perspective. From God's perspective, however, God has something greater. God took him from the other side of that circumstances. Brought him from prison to a throne. Being the second most powerful person in the world. See, being on the side where he was as a prisoner was not the side that God wanted him to be. Because God has something greater on the other side. And so God intervened and worked his, his power to change that situation and change that circumstances and got him to cross over to a greater side. Hallelujah. That should encourage you. See, to be doers of the word is to act like God is telling the truth even when you don't think he's telling the truth. Even when it looks like he's not telling the truth. So the storm can either... And listen, this is for you. This is for some of you here tonight. Jesus said that we are going over. He says that you're going over. Therefore, it's settled. So if it's settled, the storm that you're in is either going to get out of your way or you're just going to have to get through it. But one thing is clear. One thing is settled. You are going over. Glory to God. Say, say to tell your neighbor, I'm going over. And it's settled. I like what Psalm 118 and, 80, 119 and 89 says. He says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled, established in heaven. If God said it, it's done. It's said. It's, it's a done deal. It's already established. This is the kind of faith that believes that there's another side to every circumstances in our life. So rather than falling into despair or into depression or becoming discouraged and disappointed because of the situation that you're in, don't stay on that side. Believe that there's another side to that. Believe that God will get you to the other side of your circumstances. Believe that there is another side. Now, while you, let's go back to Mark chapter 4. and Look at verse 38. And it says, but he was in the stern, he meaning Jesus, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, on this trip, Jesus brought a pillow. But he didn't bring a pillow so he can take a cat nap. He certainly didn't take a pillow to take a power nap. No, Jesus brought a pillow because he, he planned on sleeping throughout the whole trip. You know, after two long days of ministering to people, that, that wiped them out. Jesus did not want to teach, did not want to minister anybody, didn't want to lay hands on anybody. All he wanted to do was sleep. And he planned on sleeping throughout the whole time in this journey. And what we see here, and of course, when disciples saw him sleeping in the middle of a crisis, they thought that he didn't care. Their interpretation of his sleeping was that he does not care. They thought that because he was sleeping through the crisis, that his sleeping was, was, a, was a sign of indifference and that he was uncaring. But that was not the truth at all. The reason why Jesus was sleeping was two reasons. Number one, because he was tired. 
Number two is because he had every confidence in his father to bring him and his disciples over to the other side. And see, what he demonstrated here, him sleeping peacefully in the middle of a great storm, was perfect peace. And perfect peace is not something that you get in this world. Because God only knows there is no such thing as perfect peace in this world. But he was sleeping because he knew that the Father was going to get him to the other side. Look at Isaiah chapter 26 and look at verse 3. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusted you. So this is the kind of peace that God calls us to. The kind of peace that Jesus demonstrated while sleeping on the boat in the middle of a great storm. And with all the commotion and the crying and complaining and the great fear and panic from the voices of the disciples, he slept right through it. And the only reason why he got up was that the disciples woke him up. But if they had not wakened him up, he would still be asleep. Because understand, he had every confidence in the world that he was going to get to the other side. Didn't matter what storm he was in, he was going to get to the other side. Imagine having that perfect peace through whatever turbulence that we find ourselves in, whatever stress that we find ourselves in, whatever difficulty we find that we face, Imagine experiencing that perfect peace. But this is a peace that he gives us. I like this verse in Psalm 4 and verse 8. Why don't you go there? Psalm 4 and verse 8. This is for all of us. It says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Man, I just love that. How many of you have gone to bed and had a hard time sleeping because you're thinking about the problems ahead. You're thinking about the meetings that you're going to have, you're going to, have to deal with or the people that you have to deal with. You know, and, and sometimes we have a hard time sleeping because we're, we're thinking about all these things. Our mind are going a mile a minute thinking about tomorrow. And tomorrow hasn't even gotten here. And you're still worried and you can't even sleep. But the scripture says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. Why? Because you, O oh Lord, alone... Make me dwell in safety. Look at John chapter 14 and verse 27. The Lord has provided us with this peace that we can rest no matter what the situation is. Verse 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, gives do I give to you. And then he goes on to say, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. The word troubled here means to be stirred up or be disturbed. So what he's saying is let not your heart be stirred up. Let not your heart be disturbed. Let it not be agitated. Let it not be unsettled. But rather receive the peace that I give you. You see this is a peace that he's already provided for us. So we can enter into this perfect peace. It is possible. Even though it may be hard to imagine or hard to grasp, but it is possible to dwell in perfect peace, according to the scriptures. It is possible for us to be able to smile at the storm that comes our way, because we know that Jesus is in the same vessel as we are. Now, look over in Mark chapter, third, uh, chapter 4, and look at verse 39. Now we get to the bottom of the real issue here. 
Verse 39 says, After they woke Jesus up from his perfect peace and brought all the problems to him and dropped them on his lap. The Bible says, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased. And then it was a great calm. Then in verse 40 he says, But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now what I want you to see here is that there were two storms going on here. There was a storm that was going on around them. But then there was also a storm going on within them. See, the real problem in life is not the great storm that we face that's outside of us. But the real problem, the real issue is the lack of faith that's inside of us. And we often struggle believing that, you know, we struggle with our faith believing that Jesus, uh, about, you know, believing or, or doubting of his abilities. We, 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 we struggle with our faith believing that he cares we, we struggle with our faith believing that he's with us. We struggle with our faith believing that, that he's able to get us out of our situation. There's a constant struggle within us when we're faced uh, with situations and, and we're, we're, we have a choice to either trust God or don't trust him at all. And many Christians struggle with that. There's a storm that goes inside that's inside of each one of us that struggle with our faith. And what's worse, Jesus says, Where, uh, why have you no faith? In Luke's account, Jesus says, where is your faith? He couldn't find it. The disciples couldn't find it. But there was no faith here. On that particular stormy day, Jesus wanted his disciples to carry out his word for themselves. And they couldn't do it. And so Jesus had to sternly deal not only with the storm that's going outside, but also dealing with the storm that's inside. He not only rebuked the storm, which is the wave and the wind, but he also rebuked the disciples because of their lack of faith. So we have two, two storms going on here. They were afraid. They were filled with fear. And how many of you know that, that fear will always cancel out faith? But then Jesus got up. And he did what the disciples should have done. What they were supposed to do. Let me say that again. Jesus got up. He arose from his sleep. And he did what the disciples were supposed to do. And that was to calm the storm. Well, before they can calm the storm outside, they needed to calm the storm that was inside of them. So, what will it take... For us to get to the other side of our circumstances. What will it take to get to the other sides of our difficulties? What will it take to get to the other side of our frustrations? Our marriage problems, our financial problems, problems with our children. What will it take? And that would be believing that there's another side and that you will get there. That there is another side to the circumstances that you're facing today. The disciples found themselves in a very dangerous situation. And 
and became very much afraid. They believed that they would not get through the storm. And they believed that there was not another side to go to because they were racked with fear. They believed that they would perish. But as they cried out to Jesus to save them, Jesus rose up, calmed the storm, and then calmed their faith and, 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 and rebuked them and, and everything was fine. Jesus says in Mark 4, 35, let us cross over to the other side. That is what the Lord is saying to us tonight. Because there is another side. There is a destination that he's trying to get us to. Jesus says, let us cross over to the other side. Now as I get ready to close, look in Mark chapter 5. And look at verse 1. And this is probably the most powerful verse in the book of Mark. Jesus says in Mark 4, 35, let us cross over to the other side. They got on their boat. They made their journey. They ran into the storm. It's a great storm. It caused all kind of fear and commotion. But then we hear, we see verse 5, I mean verse, verse 1. And it says this, then they came to the other side. And I don't need to go any further. They got through the storm. They got over their fear. And they finally reached the other side, just as Jesus promised. And this is what the Lord wants to do in our lives. He wants us to get to the other side. Where you are presently, I'll say this again. Where you are presently is not where God wants you to be ultimately. Because he's trying to get you to something or someplace greater than where you are today. So don't settle for where you are right now. Believe and look forward to getting to the other side. And step out in faith and know that there is another side to go to. New journeys will arise. Sudden storms will surprise. But remember that Jesus is with you to help you to get to the other side. That sounds like a song. And as long as Jesus is in the same vessel as you, you can be sure that you can smile at any storm that comes your way and you can say, I'm going over to the other side. Look at your neighbor and tell them, see you on the other side. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We bless you tonight, Lord God, and we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, for encouraging our faith tonight. We thank you, Lord God, that no matter what we face in life, no matter how difficult things may be, no matter how much we're struggling, Father God, we thank you that there's another side. We thank you, Father God, that you're going to get us there. We trust, Father God, that we're going to look beyond our circumstances for something greater. We thank you, Father God. And Lord, we just honor you tonight. We thank you for touching each and every one of us and speaking to us. Those that are watching live stream, Lord God, I thank you for reaching out to the television screen or whatever they're, however they're watching this program, Lord God. We thank you for reaching them and touching them. And Father, we bless your name. We thank you for the work that your word is doing in our hearts. We thank you for the faith that is growing in us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that we have new, uh, new vision, new purpose, new, uh, a, a new way of, of looking forward to life, Lord God, because we know that there's another side. And Lord, we just thank you. We just bless you and praise you. We give you all the glory and the praise, Lord God, for, for all that you are and all that you continue to do. 
And Lord, for this we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before we, uh, if you notice that Pastor Ray's not behind us, that's only because I told him I'd probably be done at quarter of, and it's not quarter of, so, which is the reason why he's not here. So that's, that's on me. <laughs> Didn't expect her to finish this early. But, um, but before I do release you and let you go, um, if you're here tonight, uh, those of you who are watching my live stream, if you've never ever given your life to the Lord, I like to help you with that. And, and here's the thing. If you've come to a place in your life where you feel like something's missing, like, like there's, there's something that's not there, and, and no matter what you do, and no matter how much you try to find that, that void, to, to, that, that, something to fill that void, know that this is the Holy Spirit letting you know that you've come to a place where you need the Lord Jesus. That's what's missing. And, and I got to tell you, over 30 years, I made this decision to follow the Lord Jesus and invite him into my heart, and it's changed my life completely. And God has given me new life and new purpose. God will do the same for you. The scripture says all you simply have to do is believe that the Lord Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he was raised from the dead. That's all it takes, simply believing that and acknowledging that. And then by simply opening up your heart and inviting him into your life. God did the hard part by sacrificing his only son and taking our sins upon himself, forgiving us of everything that we've ever done. And so I want to pray with you tonight. So this is what I want you to do. If you're watching my live stream, if you've never given your life to the Lord and those that are here tonight, I want you to say this very simple prayer. All right, I want you to all eyes closed, no one looking around, and just say this word after me. And those are, the rest of you, you can all join me in this prayer. Say, Father God, I ask you, Come into my life and into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you was raised from the dead. And according to your scriptures, you said, I am saved. And Lord, because of that, because I believe, I am now saved. I am now a child of God. And a member of your family. Thank you for forgiving me. Of all my sins. And wiping me clean. And now I stand before you. Clean by the blood of Jesus. And for this I thank you. In Jesus name. Amen. Now if you said that prayer tonight. Those of you here, here tonight. Do me this favor. At the end of service, come up and see me. I'd love to talk with you, pray with you, and give you some materials to give to place in your hands. Those of you who are watching, there's a number on your screen. Please call that number tomorrow. There'll be someone there to talk with you, pray with you, and also send you some materials that we're going to hand out today to help you to understand the decision that you've made. We thank you all for coming out tonight. I, I pray that you receive something. I pray that God has encouraged your faith tonight. And always when you leave here, know that there's another side. And that side is much greater than the side that you're in. Amen. So at this time, Pastor Ray will close out. And we'll see you all 